Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Caimes, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. For episode 34, Suheili Ramon is joining me today. Suheili is a Dominican and Puerto Rican-American Caribeña based out of Boston. She's a full-time higher ed administrator and advertising graduate student at Boston University as a social entrepreneur. She is the sole voice behind the Dinero Chronicles, a digital platform that aims to empower Latinos to take control of their dinero by sharing tools, resources, and events on savings and debt. As a first-generation woman herself, Suheili shares her journey to debt freedom on the Dinero Chronicles and creates content with the questions, concerns, and fears that her audience face when managing their dinero. Her content is authentic, vulnerable, and transparent to inspire our community. Her goal is to use storytelling to incorporate issues of race, gender, and culture to further understand our individual and collective dinero chronicle. She's also doing amazing work by being a mentor at Chica Project. Suheili guides our community through mentorship workshops for Boston City Youth Girls. Each workshop covers a different topic that includes, but are not limited to, education exploration, identity representation, and self-love. Please welcome Suheili. Hola, Suheili. Thank you. Hola. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? Very good. I'm honored that you're here. I'm so happy that you're here because... I feel, I believe, I truly believe that our money, our dinero is something important that unfortunately our community lacks the education of. And I just love the work that you're, you're doing behind Dinero Chronicles, which is, you know, being so transparent on your salary, on how you're going, your journey through being debt-free and just providing these tools and education to our Latinos so they can also, you know, start learning and taking control of their money. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And I'm really honored that you're here on AES. I'm very excited for today and our conversation around Minero. Yeah. So and I feel like this is a topic that it's like we were mentioned saying earlier, due to the pandemic, you know, it has affected us even more. You know, I think it it's it's something that is unfortunate, but I'm really excited for the you know the advice and tips that you can share with us, so we you know can take on this advice and just start implementing it because it's really necessary, especially during this time. And but before we start that, I want to you know begin this conversation by asking you, so our listeners can know you. Can you describe who Suheili is? Oh, I love that question. Um, the first word that will come to mind will be discipline. I'm very self-disciplined, very self-motivated, and very ambitious. Um, it's kind of like the moment I decide I'm going to do something, that's just it. It's just kind of figuring out, giving myself time on how I'm going to get it done, but knowing that it's already done, like in my head. And um, I think that has to do a lot with just, like, me being a Virgo. I <laughs> just am very, in, um, very analytical, very plan-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so if 
if I can create a system and a routine for myself, then that's pretty much what I'm going to do to get that done. Um, so I feel like when I think about who is Suhaili, it's just, she kind of goes for what she wants. And um, I'm not saying that she is going to be perfect at it every single time. Um, but she's going to figure out a way. Like, I'm very resourceful, right? And I know how to use the things and the resources around me and the people. Um, and I know also how to ask for help. I think a lot of the times we don't tend to do that. And that in myself is still it's still an issue in certain areas of my life. But when I think about my career and my education, mm-hmm. I'm very unapologetic about saying I don't know something and that it's okay. Um, so I, I'm very vocal, very opinionated. Um and, and that's going to come through while we have our conversation. It's, it's a lot of, like, where I got my education from that that kind of really molded me into the woman that I've become. But, um, yeah, I think in a nutshell, that would, that would describe me pretty well. And I feel like who you are really transmits itself through the Nether Chronicles because you are very self, you know, very self-driven in terms of, like, also providing these, like, tools of, like, and the tips and just being honest of like, you know, I don't know this, but like, I'm, I'm doing my research, I'm doing this, and I want to know how, I, I believe when, you know, when you're a young child, a young person, you kind of have those um, traits, right? But I feel like someone in our family or, or close to us, like really helps it develop and strengthen it so we can you know, later on become the woman that we are today, right? So who really, you know, developed those traits for you and reminded you that, you know, you can do whatever, you know, you set your mind to because from what you're saying, if you want to do this, you already have in your mind, like, okay, I'm doing it. So (laughs) how was that, you know, being motivated in that way? Um, I would say I definitely took out after my father. So I grew up in between Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico mm-hmm. for the first like 10, 10 years of my life. So Spanish is my first language. And I saw him, he had multiple um, bodegas, corner stores in Dominican Republic. And I saw him have um, several houses and properties. And so like, he just, he never stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. And I saw, and I saw those businesses as well. Um, crash and him um, losing everything and then I also saw him just picking it back up and doing it all over again so I think that that tenacity mm-hmm. kind of like you just keep going whatever life throws at you just keep going after it um, I would say I definitely got that from, from him and I sure. feel like you also got you know the, the netto lessons from oh, him yes I think I got a lot of my um, empowerment also fears mm-hmm. from his um, from his decisions and failures because I saw all the different things that we had access to because yes. of his success but then I also saw my life drastically change in front of me because of his failures with, with money and, and the lack of money management so um, I have and I think my greatest money lessons will have to come from, from my dad for sure and you know living earlier in the Dominican Republic and then coming to America and having that constant of like 
the opportunity of seeing, you know, success in your family and having these resources and then having it being taken away. How was that growing up? And was your mindset to doing even more than what you were given in an earlier age? Yeah, when I came, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, um, only because when I came to the States for the very first time, there were so many different systems that I just never even knew existed. And when I talk about system, I, I talk about language. So I didn't know the English language. Um, I was held back because I didn't know the language. And um, we were homeless for the first year and a half with my two older brothers and my mom. And just going through that that journey and then being on um, entering the housing system here in Boston. And so it was a lot of different things that I had to simultaneously learn mm-hmm. as a young child. And I think, like, for me already, that was not normal, right? Because yes. I was... I grew up in a very middle-class family yes. in the Dominican Republic. So coming to the States and experiencing just the complete extreme opposite was very um, scary mm-hmm. and um, overwhelming, I think. It was kind of like this, the sense of lack, the feeling of lack was just all over. And... Um, I had a lot of things that would remind me of that on, on a regular basis, on, on a daily basis. And so, um, yeah, I think that journey in itself created a lot of, I would guess, anxiety about money. I think the early years of me working my first job, mm-hmm. um, I started working when I was 13. Um, I took this idea of if I don't manage my money, then I can't be bad at managing my money, right? Like yeah. somehow, a 13-year-old brain, that makes sense. So um, I just took this attitude of it's my money, I'm working for it, and I can do whatever I want with it, which usually meant spending it. Um, and I think that was a byproduct of if the money's going to leave either way, if all these systems are going to take this money, then I might as well take that money for myself. Mm-hmm. So as a young child, you know, being homeless, you know, and living in a different country and having that anxiety about money, later on when you decided, you know, to go to school and start this formal education and then really take control of your dinero journey, you know, what are the things that, because you were saying that trigger you mostly, that you take you back to that moment. It must have been really difficult and scary for a young child and, you know, having to see that drastic change. And like, how, how was that? Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't stop. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I went to school, when you talked about a formal education, when I went to college, um, I went to a very small liberal private college up here in um, Massachusetts. And um, there, I got smacked with what privilege mm-hmm. looked like and um, in, in levels that I had never even imagined. Right. And I saw what wealth can signify and how 
access and privilege can really give you and drive a lot of a lot of the spaces that you have access to. And so there I was, it was the first time where your your background, your your the money that you have is kind of from the forefront. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a black or brown, um, it was an all it's an all-women's college. So if you were a black or brown girl, the reality is most of you are either in the kitchen working for the students, um, or like me, I was a housekeeper for the for the house that I would live in as well, right? And so a lot of my friends actually don't even know this, but um, I would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. On It was a weekly job, so I would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning on Sundays just so I can clean the whole house, but no one didn't. So no one could see me. Mm-hmm. And so growing up in a space where I had... My mom had housekeepers, and she would have people come in and, like, nanny and, like, clean. And to then actually becoming one 20 years later, that was also very, just, like, a full circle mm-hmm. um, irony. And it's it's that shame or guilt that comes with those type of roles um, that if you really think about it, it, and it just, you would say, that has nothing to do with dinero. And it's, it has everything to do with dinero because it in when we talk about job roles and, and the status that those jobs can bring, um, that is obviously linked to a salary, right? That's obviously yes. linked to a number. And um, it really has taken me quite some time to disconnect what a job role or status and that number can hold for me because that it can be a very slippery slope for sure. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I didn't study here in the U.S., but when I discovered that, you know, students had to clean after their, you know, fellow classmates, and, you know, not, I I want to be clear, you know, no job is slower, like, you know, every job, you know, is good and everything, but just imagining a school and, where you're cleaning after your classmates and the majority of them are of a certain community, which is primarily Latinos and African-Americans. And like you said, the privileged classmates aren't doing those type of uh, work. It furthers that stereotype, that privilege and racism towards our community. And I think it's just shocking. Like, not shocking, but also like, infuriating at times Mm -hmm. and I get why you say waking up early because you know that shame of like what if a classmate sees me like right I definitely like it really blows my mind how to this day like things like that are happening Mm -hmm. so how were you able to push that shame away you know when like and realize like you know, this doesn't define me. This salary does not define me, and this role doesn't define me. I'm doing this because I need to go to school and, you know, feel yourself that, you, like you said, you have your, your money, you can spend it, enjoy yourself. How did you push that shame to the side and just 
focus on what you needed to do like you've always focused? Um, therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> College was also the first phase where I was introduced to therapy and what it can, can do. I mean, my family, and it's probably very common in a lot of Latinos' families, but it's like, si no eres loco, there's no reason for you to be seeing a therapy, a therapist, excuse me. And, um, but a lot of my friends in college had a very different relationship for what therapy can do and have done for them. So I think that was the first time where I was, one, encouraged to talk about my feelings in a, mm -hmm. in a place where it was safe, in a place where I was actually being listened to um, rather than spoken to, which I feel like that's says a lot also about our culture. Um, just, you know, that, that level of respect that you have to have for elders and like they always know best. And that was the first time where I was able to really, I guess, I wouldn't say process because I'm still processing that, mm -hmm. but um, at least acknowledge that that was something that I was feeling at, at, at that time. And not and being able to not be angry at my school for that, right? Because yeah. I think when I think about my college experience, I still have a very complex because of the, all the different experiences that I had there. Um, but I also have to acknowledge that I had a lot of privileges because of the school that I went to. But it's that give and take that you need to be able to kind of check in and reflect mm -hmm. um, when you're thinking about those experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like life is complicated and, like, in every sense of the word, like, every situation has, it has its good and bad, but you learn from that, right? And it really... Yeah molds you to like and makes you understand like what you need and what you don't want later in life so after graduating from college how was that you know growth towards your career and really you said earlier not having the salary define you and the number because i feel i think everyone but mostly you know mujeres at least I do, we take our career, our job as like ourselves. Like it's, it's, it defines us. And so obviously the salary defines us because it provides us a lifestyle, a certain way of living. Right. So how, after graduating and you going, you know, searching for your job and, you know, going after your master's we're currently in for advertising, how was that you, how was it you growing and just shedding that and that definition that was like over your shoulders um so i would say that my first year post graduation mm -hmm. um it wasn't even something that i thought to to do like to link my salary to my job i was just excited to get a job um in the industry that i actually wanted to get into and um for anyone who's interested or knows about advertising, advertising is a very sexy industry. So you would never know working in advertising if you were broke or not, just because you have to keep up a certain image of yourself, right? And you're constantly surrounded by clients or they're taking you out to drinks or vice versa. It's a very sociable um, industry. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was only making $40,000 in Boston, Basically, you're just broke. Um, I felt really good. I felt great. Um, but I also didn't save anything. Because I, you know, on my free time, I was also going.
to eat. I was also drinking. Um, so I, that, the salary, and my self, self-esteem, self-confidence didn't really think. I would say until about a year after I left that job, which is how I ended up at higher ed. Um, and that's where I was like, hmm, I'm not really doing what I love. I am, I am have the opportunity to get my degree mm-hmm. for basically free. And um, I think then is where I'm like, okay, I may not be making as much money as I thought I would be making at 25, but what are you, what are you also getting in addition to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that my situation is very unique because I am working a job and I get a, I am getting a degree. Um, so it's it most likely is way harder once you are in the industry and are in a role that you know you should be getting paid more, which is what happens to most of us, yes. especially Latinas. Um, so I can definitely understand how when you're doing that day-to-day work and you know you're not getting paid enough, it is frustrating yes. because I, mm-hmm. you know, you're really trying to be grateful that you have a job, um, but when you know you're putting in as much or even more work on a day-to-day, um, it's just, it's tough to to try to rationalize those feelings. Yeah. And a lot of times I don't think you have to. I mean, it's valid to feel angry for not getting paid for the work that you're already doing. And I want to go back and, you know, your first job after university, college, um, you know, you were happy to find a job in your industry. So, you know, there, there are things when I can completely understand that because it's, I see it as like a miracle that you find a job inside your industry. It's something that you love. And then it's the opportunity to learn and develop even more your skills and really have that real life experience of like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. You know, you're either making mistakes, learning or achieving your goals. So you, you said that it, there was a state of like always constantly having that image of like, this is how it is. So can you share with that with us, you know, that first you know few months or the year that you were in your job and just trying to, the, the lessons that you learned, but also trying to keep up with that lifestyle because it must have been like really hectic. It was so, so much. I mean, and I was in a smaller advertising company, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that the book of businesses was any smaller. And I was across two different teams and each team had about 10 to 12 different clients and I was working on both books of businesses. So to say that I was overworked was an understatement. Um, but I think you need to be able to ask questions. Again, this, this, when I said earlier, you Mm -hmm. need to be able to ask for help. Yes. That first year out of college showed me that right away. I mean, at any job, the first thing they say is, please ask questions. And I learned right off the bat that they're not saying this because they're expecting you to mess up. They're saying this because they want to at least limit the amounts of messing up that you will do because it's, it's, it's kind of, it comes with a job, right? Like things happen. Um, but asking a lot of questions, even if you're repeating the questions in real time, it just saves so much time and energy on everyone's front. And I think 
if you're if you're working towards beta advertising, acknowledging that time is literally money mm-hmm. is the one thing that you should just be ready for. Um, whenever you have time with your your projects or your partners, your supervisor, just knowing that you're leaving that meeting with all the to-dos and knowing that you have to follow up with those um, are more like the first few lessons that, that I learned that first year. The importance of communication, yes. of clear communication, because um, in advertising, a lot of our communication is through email. So the more cohesive, the more clear you can be, the better and easier it is for everyone involved. And what were, you know, those highlights in throughout that year that you're proud of, that you look back and you're like, you know, thanks to that, you know, I know next time that I can do even better or, you know, in your next job, you're going to like completely blow people away. Like, what are those like projects that you're proud of? Um, I won't, I can't speak to specific projects. Or just... Maybe but, the wins that helped you develop even more your craft. Yeah, I think now once I'm going, once I go back into advertising, I remember being at that first job and um, I had wonderful managers, right? And they will always push me to um, present. Like, hey, you did all this amazing work. You did all these insights. Um, you can stay late, come in early. Why don't you present this to a client? And I was mortified. I was like, no, the lead can take this. I'm just like the associate, like it's fine. And um, I think that just comes with the level of also confidence in your work. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, a year post-college is just hard to have. But because of the Nitta Chronicles, because I'm constantly now doing public speaking, I feel like now going back into the industry, now it's going to be like, I want to present. Like, yeah. I, this is the work I'm doing. It's my job to present it. It's not even going to be a question. Whereas two, three years ago, that was the thing that I was running away from. And it's funny, right? How life pushes you to do the things that you're scared of. And then you realize, <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at this. You know, I'm improving. So Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, can you share with me you deciding to take your master's? Because I I feel, you know, a master's isn't for everybody. And what was that decision that you decided, you know, what I, I need to take a, uh, the next step into my career, into my education? Was it when you realized, you know, I need to develop even more so I can earn a certain amount of money and also grow professionally? Because at the end of the day, we... We have, a, we have an idea of where we want to be professionally. So how was that? What decision back that? I remember feeling very um, incompetent at the job because I felt like I was learning not only the role, but the industry in itself. Mm-hmm. And this was coming from someone who had about two or three advertising agency experiences, internships. Um, but I felt like this was a completely different ball game because I was in advertising day in, day out. And I just felt like everyone around me either had 10, 15 plus years of experience and or an education in advertising. 
and I felt like I was really lacking, like, those fundamentals Mm -hmm. of advertising um, that I really just wanted to to gain. So when I left that job, I'm like, I'm going to get a – I was just looking into different schools. And I reached out to one of my um, alma mater who happened to be a professor at the school that I'm working – working on a school now, BU. Um, And she actually put me in contact with the job which is how I get, ended up getting the job as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was that feeling of there's more knowledge for me to gain, mm-hmm. and I just didn't feel like experience was enough for me because I didn't want to put myself through that feeling every single day just so I'm like, maybe let me just hold on for two, three years while I get this experience and feel confident. I'm like, or I could just get a degree. Yeah. And once that this job presented itself, um, it just kind of all made sense and aligned. And you know, you're currently doing your uh, master's, and what have been you know those skills that you know you're now taking in, and you're like you're feeling confident in yourself and what you can you know give. Um, brand strategy, which is something that I'm I'm very um, passionate about. Which I mean. I felt like I just started, I, did, I started Neto Chronicles because I was kind of like learning all the little things mm-hmm. from from class, but um, even building the Neto Chronicles to where it is now and really strategizing where I see it moving forward, it's really taken my my degree and put it into practice every single day because I have to start thinking, okay, who's my audience and what are their pain points and um, how can I do to help? And these are all the questions that a client wants the brand strategist to be thinking, right, mm-hmm. and to be taken seriously. And so um, even now when I'm in a lot of the classrooms, the students are like, oh, but like, I just want to be creative and stuff like that. And I'm like, we're here to solve a business problem. And it's, it's like, yes, we, we can be creative, and that's, that is what advertising is, but it's using creativity to solve a business problem, right? Yes. And that's what a client wants to hear because we can all make pretty things, not all. That's a lot. Um, but we can make pretty things, but if we're not talking about dollars, again, to yes. the client, mm-hmm. that's going to be a huge red flag. And so, um, ironically, the Inner Chronicles have really shifted my mind into more of like a business standpoint. Um, but learning that from an advertising point of view, which is, I think, now that I'm, I'm really learning more about the industry, a lot of people tend to opt out of that mentality because they want to focus more on their creativity mm. rather where I'm like, I'm way more strategy focused. I like to look into insights. I like to see data and I like to see kind of use that to use storytelling to then say something important or find some sort of solution. And I feel like, you know, you're, the way you communicate to the people that follow the Netto Chronicles is super creative and super analytical. Like, it really combines these two really well. I just find it funny how people, like, I just want to be creative, but, like, you have the foundation, like, all your analyzing and numbers are the greatest foundation for that creativity through storytelling. And it's perfect that through this storytelling, it's your experience. So... And I feel I have an idea, but I might be wrong. You were 25. You realized that you weren't earning the money that you wished you had at that age. 
but you're still doing your degree, you're, you know, you're happy. It's, it's, you know, these emotions, right? Was that the moment when you decided to apply what you're learning, but also that frustration of your the Nero Chronicles and you start the Nero Chronicles? Was that how it began? I think, I'm trying to think back of how, I can't think of exactly a specific moment, but I remember the feeling. I remember feeling like I wanted to talk about how much I was or was not making. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what my friends were making. I wanted to know what benefits people had and how they wanted to go um, on understanding their packages. Um, and I remember most of my friends just being completely blank on it. Like, it's just like, it's just something that we just don't talk about. So then I brought it to my family and my brothers and like, no one would tell, I'm like, I'm not going to steal your money. I'm just trying to figure like, we're all in different industries. And it was that, I guess a sense of, um, I don't think neglect is the right word, but like standoffish. Mm-hmm. Um, attitude always talking about the metal. Yeah. And, and I feel like also placing yourself in the dark because there wasn't, you know, any knowledge of what, you know, if you had a, the good resources of how much you should ask for a raise, like, you know. Right, right. And I had a very limited um, group of women, women of color, who went to school, um, who had similar education backgrounds. And not having access to that information from them or even resources or access to the knowledge that they knew because of maybe they had a different um, upbringings with, with money. Um, made me feel very shut down. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm on to something. And I started following a lot of um, this black women in the personal finance space are fantastic. And that's where I really started getting a lot of my answers from. But then realizing that... Um, there was just still that 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 lack of knowledge mm-hmm. in our culture that I'm like, that's what I want to tap into that I don't see um, happening. So, you know, I think it's really empowering and is so honest and just vulnerable at times for you to share your salary because. Not many, like you said, not many people share that information, right? And what were the feelings that were going through you before you posted that number? Can you share it with us? I just really felt like I didn't care enough about the number. I was done caring. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had done a lot of overanalyzing on myself and a lot of, um, I made myself feel very shameful of where I was at. I'm like, you're 24, you're still making this amount, and like, you should have been way further, like we had a plan, and I was just really sick and tired of me, mm-hmm. right? This, this is a conversation with Haiti. I was really sick and tired of her. Um, and I'm like, girl, like that number just does not... It just says of what you're making right now. It says nothing about where you're going in the future. Um, 
And I'm like, and also see how much you've been able to do with that number. Um, I am paying for my classes in real time. I am paying off debt in real time. So it's like, so me focusing on that number was really just me putting on my own limitations mentally. Mm -hmm. Because financially, I had found a way to make it work. So it was kind of like me posting that number. I'm like, it was just like the most vulnerable that I had been. And I'm like, this is, this is where I'm at. And it means nothing um, about who I am, but it shows more like what I'm capable of. Because I think a lot of people see our accounts when it's when coming into personal finance. And it's very easy to get lost in the numbers. And it's like, well, if I'm, if, if I was making her salary when you don't know, of course I'll be paying off that amount. But I really wanted to take that out of the excuse equi- mm-hmm. equation, right? Like, yes. I'm not making bank. I'm not. I'm probably either the same or less or a little bit more broke than any 25-year-old in, in a major city. Um, but I wanted to also show that as a form of hope. Like, we, we're probably in very similar spaces, and this is how I'm choosing to manage my money. And you can, too. So I think that's why I wanted to show that number. It was kind of like me sick and tired of me, but also realizing that people are probably going to go into the other carnivals and assume a lot of things about the amount of money that I make and how I'm able to pay off this debt. And so I wanted to get that out of their equation, too. It's like, I'm not making mm-hmm. a lot. I'm just managing. I'm learning how to manage it better. Yeah. And I feel it's so important to really... It, there comes a time in your life where... You have obviously an idea of what, how you wanted, how much you wanted to earn, where you were professionally, and then that that reality hits you, and you're like, oh, you know. And everyone has a different path, you know. It's their growth is different from one another. So I seriously applaud you for doing this and just being honest and just being tired of yourself of like, no, because I think we are our worst enemies at time. So. Seriously, having that capacity of, like, not giving, you know, a fuck and just being open to it and sharing these tips. And I really want to go deep on that. Of You always, and I love that you constantly remind people, you're not a financial advisor. You're a dinero connector. And I love that word. So for our listeners, can you share what a dinero connector is we, you have explained it throughout this conversation, and but really go deep on that, and obviously the difference. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I have so many disclaimers uh, throughout the Atlanta Chronicle saying I'm not a financial advisor because I'm not trying to get sued out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came up with the term Dinero Connector because I really wanted to, I really wanted people to think about Dinero Chronicles as a, as a platform where you came to find resources, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, um, online events or, um, online resources or local events, like just a place where you came to find knowledge or kind of like, if I need help with this, where should I go? And if you don't want to do all that background work, mm-hmm. is how, let me just go to the Internet Chronicles and see if there's some sort of information there. So that's how I came um, with the term Dinero Connector. Just let me connect you to the Dinero resources. Yes. That, because I, I, I know and acknowledge that, I think 
think a lot of the anxiety that comes with money management is the fact that you have to sit there and research this information. Yes. And that can get very overwhelming quickly. Because then you just start, even when you look at a budget breakdown, then you realize you've never done a budget in your life. All of a sudden, you're feeling terrible about yourself. And then you just, like, exit everything out and ignore you even tried it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can just have a platform where they get, it just tells you, here are the places that you can go for X, Y, and Z, you know that you're going there with a purpose. And I think that once you have, once you do anything with a purpose, it's just easier to navigate those feelings that are going to come up regardlessly. And I feel like you, by sharing your salary, you're also helping, you know, your followers into shedding that embarrassment and that shame of like what they're earning or they're not budgeting correctly. They're going into these resources with the sense of zero judgment and just focused on the goal, which is to budget, to control their money in the most healthy way. And that's amazing. And I also really like that you say, I'm not a financial advisor because you don't want to get sued. And that's, Again, perfect because, yeah, you know, you're not responsible of other people' financial decisions and no. what they take. You're just, yeah, you're just providing these tools. And I also love that you're so honest and just like your content revolves around a lot of topics that connects the nettle, which I think not a lot of people are talking about one thing that I love is that you're also open about your mental health and how your mental health in a way affects your dinero journey and you share the five those five steps so I want to let's talk about that like for our Latinas you know that are going through their mental health especially right now you know it affects their financial decision so can you share from your journey, what were those five steps that you decided to take to just have a better management of it and of your yeah. mental health? Yeah, of course. Um, so I will start with highlighting that May is the um, Mental Health Awareness Month. So it's, this topic is just it's great. And obviously with what we're going with the pandemic, um, a lot of issues or a lot of feelings of mental health is inevitable if they come up. So... Like I said earlier, I started my journey with therapy mm-hmm. um, with, back when I was, I would say, sophomore in college. And I'm still in therapy on a weekly basis. That is something that I stopped taking as a want in my list. And it's like, no, this is a need. Um, and I did a, one of the posts a while back where like, I traded facials for therapy. And that was um, very intentional. Um, so I would say taking therapy as a need and, and being unapologetic about that, um, automating, I automate all of my savings because for me, it, it would cause a lot of anxiety having to go into my account. And at that point I, I had my, my checks and my savings all in one account. Mm-hmm. So I would get anxious about the fact that I had too little money in my savings. And I would get anxious about the fact that I had little in my checkings as well. So what I would just start doing is just swipe my life away and ignore that my account was was an actual thing. Um, But once I started taking my savings a bit more seriously, I also realized that 
just doing that manually on a weekly basis just also wasn't really helping me out because I always felt like I just wasn't really making any movement or not as much movement as I wanted to forward. Um, so I just automated. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Um, I would say for budgeting, I'm very much very old school. So I still use a pen and paper only because I spend all of my time on a computer um, between school and work and, and being at a chronicles i just like the fact that i can open all of my statements on sunday usually today is mm-hmm. the day the first day of the month um where i sit with all these numbers and see how much i want to pay when it comes to debt um but with that being said i will also say that you need to find out what method works best for you yes. right and i think a lot of people come to me expecting me to use some sort of app or Excel sheet. And I'm like, pen and paper. And, it, and it's, I've had to come very unapologetic about that as well. Because it's like, yeah. you don't have to do the method that works for me. You need to figure out whatever works for you. Exactly. Um, because those things um, also cost me anxiety. I would find myself, because I didn't want to know, I didn't want to budget, mm-hmm. I would just not open the app. It was that simple. Yeah. And I... You, I can, anyone will probably um, say, well, you can do the same thing with pen and paper, mm-hmm. but because I journal, because I write on a regular pen and paper, it's just like, I always have something around me. So it's actually harder for me not to write than to not go on an app on the phone. But again, that comes with a lot of self-awareness of, of you and your habits. Um, I think instead of five, I think this will be my top three when it comes to mental health and, and my denatal management that I've learned along the way. And along the way of you budgeting, you have realized the difference of like the needs and wants and being, you know, taking that pen into paper and, you know, for our listeners, our Latinas who are, you know, struggling of really going deep onto their budgets, can you help us differentiate what is a need? What is a want? And just try to control our budget in the best way possible. And but obviously going back to how the best way possible if it's you, because you know this is how you see it and like you're doing it. For sure. Um, and I'm gonna focus just because of the 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 very special moment in history that yes. we're living through. Um, I think our needs and want, want right now look vastly different, right? So I, I want to acknowledge that. Um, but I've also had to do a lot of prioritizing on my end. Yes. And what does that look like in terms of my denatal and in terms of a pandemic, which is something that no one really plans for. Um, but this is when you have to really look at what... Perhaps start with what are the things that you're hoping to do post-pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. What are those wants? Um, and then how can you plan for those wants? Because I think when people start thinking about budgeting, this automatically get into this limitation mentality. Yeah. And that's when you start fearing or even being angry towards budgeting because you feel so limited. But... I honestly never really stop doing what I want to do. I just plan ahead for them. I just budget for them. Mm-hmm. And 
So it's really creating first challenging that mentality around what budgeting has to mean in your life. Um, but like I know that I want to travel at some point, maybe the end of the year, next year. Um, so being mindful about saving for that now. Mm-hmm. I know that I want to have less than a third of debt across credit card and student on debt. I'm paying off debt heavily, aggressively right now because I'm like, what can I possibly spend money on right now? Nothing, Nothing. right? Yes. It's like this is the most perfect time to either be saving or paying off debt. And this is the time where you have to kind of have that really tough conversation with yourself and really acknowledge that you have the power of doing whatever you want in your future. Mm-hmm. But what can and must you do now with your money to be able to do those things? Because you can't do the budgeting in the future and feel limited, right? And mm-hmm. then you're just going to go right into the cycle again. But if you can stick with one strategy now that's going to pay off in the future, then I would say that would be a much better, um, I guess, method of doing that. But you just have to figure out what are the things that you want. And then what are the things you need? I would would say that food, housing, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about, if you're not an an essential worker at this point, I don't know um, how transportation will work, but... Yeah. I was like, you have a car, you still have to pay some sort of um, payment for that. But um, a lot of your other expenses should be either canceled or um, heavily decreased at some point. And so you should have at this point some sort of um, residual um, income. This is to say if you still have a job. And, um, of course, if you're unemployed, it's a completely different conversation. Yes. But um, but if you are in that job, if you're in that position where you do have a job and you do have that extra income, is what can you use that extra that will benefit the future you? Is paying off the high interest um, debt going to be beneficial for you? And I know I know people hate paying off debt because the process of it is like I'm just giving my money away, right? But um, the thing is, if you don't pay that off, you will just keep giving your money away for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And more of it, too, because of just how interest works. So I guess it's just really sitting down with yourself and figuring out what are your needs and your wants. And knowing that you don't have to give up your wants, you just have to kind of shift your focus a bit in this moment. Because it's like the most perfect moment to save or to budget. Yes, and I feel like of what we're living in right now in this pandemic, it's really, really important to have a savings account where I, I'm, you know, honestly grateful that I listened to my mom and she had said like last year, you need to save, you need to save. And I am honest, I, I'm, you know, thankfully working from home, but you know, I have that money there. If anything happened, I have that money saved. So really this is, this can be a lesson to everyone to like, it's really important to have that savings account. It's really important to budget. And right now take the opportunity to readjust your budget and just pay off that debt or save as much as you can. So you explain to us how you were readapting and reorganizing your life because of the pandemic. 
but can you share with us not only in the Vidnero journey of how you've been reorganizing, but more on also on the professional side. What were the things that you've been doing? Because I saw that you were, you know, updating your resume, your LinkedIn, and certifying yourself. And I think that are uh, those are amazing steps and actions to do right now, so you can further your career when all this is over. that you said you know staying productive even if you're laying on your bed and you're taking in this information because there's obviously this constant um message being pushed that you have to be productive you have to be productive like write a book write a blah, blah, blah. and for every person like like i said before it's the first time we're living through a pandemic no one has to do this right everyone's <laughs> reacting differently you know most people have lost their jobs yes people are dying so the definition of being productive has totally shifted, like the way we are also receiving these free resources, right? So I really love that you said, at least laying down in your bed and just taking in this knowledge is like a moment also of self-care because it's taking your mind of what is going on outside. So oh, for, sure. for you, while you're, you're, you're developing these skills and like learning and taking this in, what are the things that you're teaching? 
the things that you're taking your self-care into because times can get dark and your mind starts just going and you're you know you're reading every morning these articles and how the pandemic is affecting your industry so how do you find that moment of just distracting yourself and just taking care of yourself um so i, I will be very upfront and say i am a god-fearing woman i start my day and end my day um having that stillness conversation with god and really just listening i think a lot of the times before this i would just ask ask and ask the way and now i'm just like just checking in with with him and i do it throughout the day whenever i feel overwhelmed that's kind of like what i what i do i just check in with him um i will also say working out so i before the pandemic, you would have never catched me running outside, ever. And um, I now run outside, like, at least three to four times a week. And it's, it's been very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to actually stay away from music because it will kind of bring... For me, it brings up all of the things I was able to do before the pandemic. Yeah. And that's not helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watch a lot of... I've been can only to like comedy series so anything that's like drama or like I just I opt out of that so I'm not sure if you know about the show but Superstore oh you've heard of it I want to see it yes with America Ferrera right yes 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 so I've been opting to a lot of comedy shows um just to like kind of make me feel good type of type of Mm -hmm. um shows and content and oh and staying away ironically I want to talk about that, and it's good that you mentioned it because, okay, as someone that has a platform, has a space of providing knowledge and these resources, how do you find that balance of being obviously there and posting and providing this information and being obviously talking and answering any questions, doubts that your followers may have, but also separating yourself and just not being there constantly because as someone who you know is running AS I do I am very just focused on the time that I spend on social media and the time I spend away from it because it can be overwhelming so how do you balance that out I plan everything mm-hmm. to the T so I know that I'm not the type of content creator that pushes out content every single day that's very intentional um also because i don't want to be creating content that much and um that often um i always try to create content that is actual value to my my um, followers i allow myself if, if it's a day that i'm going to push out content i know that i'm like all right if this is going up at this time just check this in around because I, I use my analytics a lot mm-hmm. so I know when my follower is on my page and um I try to check back in around those times and answer any questions or concerns or dms at that time and outside of that I get back up and I'm very very strict about that because you know you go in for one thing and all of a sudden yes two hours, you're looking at someone's body and you're like 
I feel like shit now. Um, so I just try to avoid all of that. Mm-hmm. I just go in um, with a purpose. Again, I'm very intentional. I'm like, I'm giving this information. I check back at a specific time, and then I check out. And I, I feel things have changed before the Netto Chronicles. You were surrounded by women that didn't share, weren't open of their salary, of their benefits. And I feel that connects with what you said about you asking God of like, you know, and you were asking these these women around you yeah. and now you listen. And I feel like once you started the Netto Chronicles, was there that shift of like, you knew, now we're surrounded by women who were open to sharing, who were open to providing their advice, what they went through, their knowledge, so you could avoid those adversities, those money adversities that they have may have faced. So yeah. what was that there, that shift that happened? Oh, for sure. I Once I went into like the online community on Instagram, there are so many Latinas who are so open about their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, always more than happy to share their, their journey with you, their tidbits, their resources. And that's when it, it kind of normalized this journey. I'm like, okay, so I'm not crazy for wanting to be debt-free at 25 or 26%, whatever. Um, it's okay if that's mm-hmm. a priority for me, right? Because I think a lot of me not seeing that be a priority in like my immediate environment maybe at, at the beginning I felt bad for saying no so much. I couldn't afford to be brunching Saturday and Sunday every single weekend if that if those could be just extra payments on my credit card. And so finding a community that understood those pain points but also understood the bigger picture mm-hmm. and had actually achieved that goal made it much more manageable and normal for me. And I think once that shift happened was when I started taking my own journey more um, more seriously and started taking the work that I was doing with the Chronicles more seriously as well. And that must have been amazing because I feel like also when I, you know, with AES, when you start focused on a mission, you were with the nettle, everything just comes into place. Everything is just so easy. Everything that you were just so thirsty of the knowledge of those advice it comes in full force so what have been those you know those words of wisdom that these latinas have shared with you that you, you've now taken to heart and then you're you're, you're you're grateful for it yeah um the one that and i think it's 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 said all around the personal finance community is just pay yourself first I think it took me it took me such a long time mm-hmm. to figure out what that means, right? And what that means for me, because I, I found that for a lot of people, that did mean paying off their debt first. Some people meant paying off their savings. Some of them meant um, investing. And I had to figure out what that meant for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I guess I didn't, I realized that I didn't want to pay off my debt completely and then be broke. Right, yes. so have, be at a zero um, net worth. So I'm like, why can't I do both? And then I started trying to figure out, is this something that, that is manageable? Have people done it before? And I realized that it's actually very normal. And a lot of people tend to take more of like that, that safer route. Um, 
And that's when, I think that will be the first, real like, my first jump that I learned in the community is just, again, you have to figure out what works for you. You have to figure out what are your priorities. Priorities was a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to follow the systems and and kind of, like, the journeys that other people have gone through for their own Mm B-Nutter goals. But just sitting down and analyzing you're, only you know your money situation. Yes. Only you know how how and, 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 and can you manage your money. Um, and then what is the feasible goals that you can attain by yourself? That's all being created and managed by you. And for a lot of people, that's very empowering. empowering. And then for a lot of people, it's very scary. And um, that's also when I realized that I didn't want to do that by myself. Mm-hmm. That's when I did get a financial advisor. And that community was also very um, supportive of that, you know, saying that it's okay if you don't want to take the whole YouTube and Googling everything by yourself, Mm -hmm. that there are more than capable people willing to help you. And I was very intentional about looking for a financial advisor that looked like me, that also spoke Spanish. Um, So it made that conversation comfortable, even when I was talking to someone else about my money about my plans about it and she helped me continues to um kind of make those approachable goals with with it and I think those you know you have to be able to talk about your money and I think that's something that is very it's just very hard to come to terms with Mm -hmm. in the Latino community like you just make your money and you don't tell nobody about it and so how can you go about doing that if at some point you're going to need some sort of help right um with either you're fighting for bankruptcy or you're making the most money that you've ever in your whole time family has ever made you're going to learn how to you're going to need to learn about managing assets diversifying your portfolio like there's so many things that there's just no way that you can do by yourself so the earlier you start acknowledging that it is okay Mm -hmm. to ask for help and then how to go about getting that help that would be like my biggest challenge at all. And since the you know kind of birth of the Neto Chronicles, what have been those Neto goals and you know that you're proud of that you achieved that when you started it you had planned for? And I feel like also the goals that helped that your financial advisor helped you reach. Can you share that with us? Those wins. Yes. yes. So. Um... I remember about a year ago, I had over, um, I believe it was about $9,000 on credit card debt, and I paid that off. That was, like, one of my biggest wins, and then um, I had one of my student loan debt, which was about $4,000. I also paid that off, and um, those, those were the two ones. Oh, and, and um, signing up for life insurance because that was such a huge process for me. And finally making that leap of like, okay, this is important and, and I want to start doing that now. And those will be the top three that I remember from last year. And now I'm working again to becoming um, credit card debt free. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of the accounts make it seem like you pay off debt and then you never get into debt again. That's not true, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is why I'm talking about managing your money. Because you shouldn't fear debt. That's not what I'm trying to um, 
communicate. It's just knowing that you can be in debt, but you know how to manage it. Exactly. Like, I no longer fear, because I know my credit card, I know how interest works. I know what amount I can use mm-hmm. before I um, actually be in charge interest. So then it just becomes kind of like a very powerful tool because then you're playing the system, right, to your mm-hmm. own advantage. It's like, okay, I'm still going to use your money. I'm going to pay it off, but I'm going to pay it off when it's like in my convenience rather than you are paying off this amount and end up paying triple because you don't know what you're doing with your money. Um, and that's what I'm working on, again, to, to again, become credit card debt-free. So that, that is one of the main goals for this year of 2020, correct? Yes. As of now, I like we said, the pandemic has you know shifted, changed our goals, things, our life. Um, what are the two other goals, the financial goals that you want to take on, or maybe for next year, if, if possible? Um, so one of the ones that I'm currently working on is building my emergency fund to be six months, um, which it's a pretty, it's, it's about $11,000 for the amount that I make. And so that's, that's what, that's the one that I'm currently working on right now. I'm about to hit my three month mark. So it's a three month, it'll be fully funded, but then really towards the end of the year, I want it to be a six month mark, um, emergency fund. And I think that's one of my biggest ones. Because um, I'm also working with finishing my degree by December 2020. Mm-hmm. So if I'm able to say by the end of December 2020 that I paid off my degree, because I'll be graduating without any loans, and um, and saved up to six months of emergency fund, mm-hmm. I would say it would be a pretty month year, a pretty good year. Oh, I hope <laughs> I hope you can reach that goal because that yeah. would be really exciting and like amazing because it's. It all goes down to who you are as a person, how you're managing your money, and the power, the strength that you have of, like, knowing and the knowledge of, like, able to budget. You, you can't be fearful no. of money. And like you said earlier, of, like, those interest rates. And also, before this happened, I I knew, I was seeing that you were, you know, starting, like you were mentioning earlier, talking in events, speaking you were, you know, really developing that skill. Unfortunately, obviously, events are rescheduled and they're now in the digital format. But can you share? That must have been an amazing experience of learning and just sharing what you have to know to other Latinas. That I know it was your first Dinero event, if I'm not mistaken, in February, correct? Yes. And then... You, would, you started attending events around, like, December or January with other fellow Latinas. So how was those two um, experiences like? It really felt like out-of-body. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said earlier, I was that person who would run away from presentations. And so to now have experience organizing and really creating a an entire curriculum, right? Understanding mm-hmm. who I was speaking to, creating a curriculum to cater to their needs, and then presenting it. I mean, I re- I remember leaving my first event and thinking, who is so hating? Like, oh, I just, I don't know her anymore. <laughs> and I felt so proud because I'm like, because I 
always the things that I, I guess I will look up to other women. Mm-hmm. I'm like, one day I want to do that, right? One day I want to be creating that. And now seeing that one day can really be today, yes. right? Like you can work for your one day right now. That has given me a whole other sense of, of power. Um, because now mentally, like time doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm just like, if I want something, mm-hmm. again, going right back mm-hmm. to the beginning, if I want something, what is who is stopping me from creating that today, mm-hmm. right? Like, what can I actually do today? Um, so it felt I, I, so powerful to see me um, do the things that I always was so scared to do. And I'm not saying that I'm never going to be scared again. It's public speaking yeah. to me. Terrifying. But um, even now, like, people have reached out and like, hey, like, when are you going to do an online meeting or, like, some sort of, like, summit or, like, things like that. So it's like, how can you take this skill and continually, like, nurture it within different platforms um, and mediums, So which is something that I'm now kind of playing around with. Ooh, so is there maybe a date for us to know when you'll be doing an online event? Yes, I mean, I'm working on somehow a couple of opportunities came mm-hmm. up for me to do online um, presentations, but I am thinking of something that will be helpful for my, my followers and acknowledging that not everyone is from Boston and now mm-hmm. there's actually a growing audience outside of the state. And so really trying to think about what are those larger questions that, that my followers are going to have regardless of where they're at. So first working on, on that strategic part okay. and then I'll be putting <laughs> yes. out anything. And from our conversation, I wouldn't expect any less. It's always that those numbers, those, that strategy that is the foundation before you kick and start. Yes. And I also want to start about, talk about Chica Project. You know, you're helping Latinas about identity, these workshops, so that are now online due to the pandemic. And I feel what you're doing with the Netto Chronicles and the purpose behind it is really tied well with Chica Project. So can you share, you know, what do you share with these young Latinas? Um, what are the workshops? And maybe more information on if our fellow Latinas want to learn more about this. Yeah, so um, so like you said earlier, a lot of the workshops do vary from like career exploration, self-identity. Um, and this was the first time the workshop I did in January was the first time that they really explored uh, the topic of finances with with their young um, with their young um, students, and I think we were all it would be not wrong to say that we were all very surprised at the very complex questions and mm-hmm. feelings that they had about money. I mean. The conversation, and I was very, I was very um, intentional and strategic about bringing up mental health mm-hmm. and bringing up childhood and bringing up education, all in the conversation of dinero because they all intersect. And I don't think they had ever had thought about it in that way. And it became a very honest conversation, even for the mentors in the room, because um, I don't think we often reflect on how we take our our mothers or our parents, you know, traits and mm-hmm. values around money and how that affects your current money state. 
And so um, the conversations became very vulnerable and, and very complex in trying to figure out what, what did they know and what did they want to know. But the beautiful thing was that it also turned into a very powerful conversation because after the two-hour workshop, it wasn't just me giving information. Mm-hmm. It was like all the mentors was providing their knowledge and providing resources and were like, you have any questions reach out to me like if you want to open your first bank account reach out to me I'll go with you right so it was kind of like the sisterhood and community yeah. that came up with it um that was amazing to witness I mean we took a topic that is very taboo and a lot of our a lot of the young, young girls are also black and so which again it's the exact same issue right we mm-hmm. black and brown communities do not talk about money enough and so I think they all were able to leave with a little, even if it was a tidbit of information mm-hmm. um, that was tangible, but I think they're all, it, it really created a, a very therapeutic um, space because they realized that a lot of the, the girls around them experience very similar things. Yeah. And it's not even just like, oh, young girls tend to go through this. Like, they also saw mentors having trouble figuring out what was going on and how to manage it and so it was really beautiful to see how um besides having different races and um the the intersection of of age and kind of education and all of that played and how we still can have a very honest um conversation about it i love it's so amazing that instead of you stepping into the same footsteps of the women that were surrounding you earlier in your life you push that away and then you're giving your knowledge these advice these tips to the younger generation of black women and it's just for them to grow and just not fear of asking for help in terms of their money that is thank you i think we need to stop falling into that pattern and just not be ashamed of that. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And just, it's amazing. And also I want to know, we've been talking about the Neto Chronicles and we've been talking about your career as in advertising. Where do you see yourself, you know, the Neto Chronicles growing? Because I feel like from what you're sharing right now, I feel like I can see it hand in hand and be something bigger in five years. Is that what you're envisioning or? Yes. Um, so I'm taking it, I guess I'm going to link it all together mm-hmm. um, and share why I even went into advertising in the first place. And I remember as young as, I would say maybe 11 years old, thinking how, and I, and I, pretty sure this is it has to do with the fact that I felt so alienated when I came to the states mm-hmm. and um what wanted to have that sense of community wanted to feel represented in the things that I saw and um so representation accurate representation was always something that has been very um very present very deep in my heart mm-hmm. and that's why I went into advertising because I'm like, I really want to be behind the scenes in 
what are the type of messaging that we bring, what we're taking out into the world, right? Yes. So I want to be able to have hand in hand about that, or at least be the person like, that doesn't look right for X, Y, the Z reason. Um, so that's kind of like why I went into advertising because of representation. And that's why I created, you know, Chronicles because of representation. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly where I see my future. And I want I want to have a deeper, um, influence in what representation looks like in media so I definitely see myself creating like a digital media platform um, where I don't just talk about dinero but I talk about just a lot of things that just I like to talk about and the intersection of it right like we were saying intersection exactly Um, because anyone who knows me all my friends I'm constantly challenging people to not look at things um, one-dimensional because none of us are, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, bringing those intersectional conversations to a digital media platform is really where I see myself um, branching off. And it's something that I'm exploring right now, um, but it's definitely something I can see happening. That will happen. Yeah, it will happen, yeah. So once you speak it into existence and putting in the work, it oh, happens, yes. Yeah. For sure. And I'm so happy that you, you know, it all comes, I think, to every Latina, their decision is, like, having that representation. And I'm happy that you're providing that representation to young Afro-Latinas, Caribeñas, who need it, who are seriously, that representation is lacking, especially, not only in our community, but also outside in, obviously, the privileged area of the u.s and of the world so seriously thank you i'm excited i'm excited to see the growth because i've been seeing it for the past year and just you seeing you achieve your goals it's empowering and inspiring and really reminds me of like you know you it's okay they can budget i can also budget and make it work you know and i hope that our listeners can take that in and also learn and to close this, I want to ask you, if you have the opportunity to time travel back and talk to young Suheili, maybe it was young Suheili at 10 years old, or yeah. maybe that first year of coming to the U.S., any age that you like, what would you say to her? Be kind to yourself. I think I think I know I took a lot of my external circumstances very personal and I internalized somehow the fact that things that were happening outside of my control were actually my fault Mm -hmm. and I think those are some of the things that I'm learning now through therapy Um, I think yeah just being kinder to myself you know it sounds so simple but once you go through those different things and you realize, or you can, or you can justify, like these things were wrong and you were there in every single thing. So mm-hmm. you might've played a role in that. It's very easy for the brain to justify those type of emotions and take them as the truth. And so inter- I, I wish I would have been able to intervene those thoughts a bit earlier. And, um, you know, that when I say that, I speak about, um, not taking my parents' financial failures as my own, not 
um, I've always been overweight, and um, this is actually the healthiest I've ever been. Um, and I think at some point I'll share how taking care of my money actually manifested to me taking better care of my health at some point in the middle chronicles. But um, you know, just being kinder to my body, being kinder to my mind mm-hmm. and my emotions, and um, it's it's all such a a tedious journey, but it's one that you, you must be aware of doing, because if not, it's really easy to just go through life feeling like everything is happening to you instead of for you, mm-hmm. and so when you're trying to, the way I like to think about it is when you're trying to take control of your dinero, for a lot of us Latinas, specifically first-generation Latinas, we are breaking generational curses. Yes. And for us to break those chains, it takes so much of spirituality, so much of your self-awareness, so much strength that you need to know. You need to be able to heal from your past and let that go in order for you to manifest bigger and better things. For you now, for your future family, um, in whatever form that may look like for you. But um, if this is something that you truly want, because it has to be a conscious decision, you have to be conscious of the work that you have to get done. And I think this is a lot of the spiritual side of it. It's not something that we really like. We really connect when we're talking about dinero. But we have so many unspoken emotions about it that the issue's already there. Mm-hmm. It's just on you to really face that head on. Wonderful. Thank you. And those were beautiful words, Akili. The work <laughs> and the knowledge that you're doing to our to, for our community is impacting in such an amazing way, in a positive way, especially right now. It's so necessary. So I want to thank you for that. And thank you for being on AES. I really love this conversation. I was just motivated and just recharged of like having that Vinero focus of taking control of my money. And for our listeners, where can they reach you? Where can they follow the Neto Chronicles so they can also take control of that? So my handle on Instagram, which is the only social media platform that I use, is the Neto Chronicles. I'm always more than open to answer any questions through DM. Um, I'm very quick on the comments. And the Neto Chronicles has a really good community that if I don't get to you fast enough, someone in the <laughs> comment section will get you so um that would definitely be the best place to reach me awesome thank you so much for sharing that and you heard it here suheli will answer or her followers and trust me please follow it i I follow this page and i love all the tips and financial advice that she shares so if you're also ready to take control of your dinero and just shed that fear and that shame that our community has it's now. It's it's this time. And I hope you were inspired and motivated for this conversation. I know I was. So thank you, Sukhaley, so much. And you can listen to a new episode. Listen and see a new episode in two weeks. And you can follow AS at AS the Podcast at Instagram. That is A-L-L-A-S the Podcast. Or you can follow me if you like at friend underscore hi that's b-r-e-n underscore j-a-i 
if you want to drop an email, a message, or maybe be a guest on a yes, you can leave an email at aspodcast.gmail.com. That is E-L-L-A-S-thepodcast.gmail.com. Thank you, Sakaili, for being here on a yes. This was seriously a terrific conversation. And thank you for being here as well. And I will see you in two weeks. Adios. Bye. Bye. If you've been listening to AS for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. AS is produced, hosted, and audio edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video interviews are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This is AS. Thank you.